Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of The Problem with My Dog Is. This podcast, we hope, isn't going to just be another old podcast. And more importantly, not just another old dog podcast. This podcast is hosted by me, James, one of the founders of Get Whelp. And our mission is very, very simple. We want to help millions of dogs, their owners and their trainers lead happier, more fulfilled lives. Uh, Big disclaimer here, I'm not a dog trainer. I'm just a dog lover. I'm a dog owner who wants to know more about training and how we can make training and behaviour of dogs basically more relatable and more engaging for dog owners worldwide. We're not here to simply talk about something like separation anxiety as a concept or a topic um, because we think that would just be a bit more of the same. We're going to break it down into real-life case studies, talk to experts about things they've worked on that are directly relatable to your everyday lives, our everyday lives as dog owners, and more. Okay, shall we see what the problem with my dog was in episode one? I want you to meet Kate Oates. She's a brilliant Australian games-based trainer who worked on a case with a young golden retriever who just wouldn't stop pulling on the lead. Sound familiar? And in this episode, we explore how she managed to take that overexcited, bouncy golden retriever and turn it into a calm, walking buddy. Some of the insights in this episode are amazing and having been on several hundred dog walks since the pandemic began, I can definitely see a hell of a lot of dog owners who need to listen to this episode. So if you're one of those dog owners whose dog won't stop pulling on the lead, plug in your headphones and take a listen to this one. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Kate Oates in Victoria, in the middle of nowhere in Australia. (laughs) Um, But as, as one of Get Whelp's biggest cheerleaders from when we started the business and had the had the vision and the mission uh seven eight months ago um you've been there from the start helping us um so it is an absolute pleasure to welcome you and also to go into a podcast from my perspective knowing virtually nothing about the topic that I'm going into (laughs) which is a first I must admit thanks for having me but no problem. H- how are you? How's things in Australia? You're under lockdown and Again. I am so excited to talk about dogs. <laughs> I am my, excited on, to on talk Sunday. about dogs too. It's... What a better way to spend a morning talking about dogs. Exactly. Exactly. There's... It's winter here, so it's cold. Probably not as cold as it gets over there, but cold enough over here. It, it, it currently feels like winter here. I'm sat in a jumper. It, it hasn't stopped raining for a week and... <laughs> I'm sick and tired of British weather. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Well, it's better than uh, we're a bit better off here. Um, but mm. no, it's been a bit hectic over here. But that's all right. We're just rolling with the punches. So you can do exactly. Um, this podcast, right, is coming from dog owner perspective, chatting to you trainers about the weird, the wonderful, the amazing world of dog training. That, from a dog owner's perspective. We know we go into these sessions as dog owners to, with dog trainers, knowing virtually nothing about the trainer, the qualifications around the trainer, and what we're getting into. So this 
podcast is literally all about me as a dog owner understanding in completely layman's terms treat me as if i'm stupid (laughs) about your job but more importantly as well when we've been speaking when i well i the company get well been speaking to trainers there's this big thing about um dog owners not realizing the how important training but also the different nuances and aspects of training has can be and i think that we need to educate far more dog owners in terms of how we have to train their dogs now also i want to get into the case studies with you trainers around around like cases that you've seen that have really intrigued you and we'll break them down and we'll get um and we'll we'll turn them into something quite fun and interesting because um I don't want to talk just around separation anxiety as a whole. I want dog owners and dog trainers who listen to this to be like, oh, yeah, that's that's what that's what happened to my dog as well. Oh, that's really interesting. So what is your what, what have you been working on recently that really piqued your interest, Kate? Well, and what are we going to be chatting about today? I think. One of the more common and my most recent case before we went back into lockdown um, was a golden retriever who's about 14-ish months old. So, you know, it's that whole, is this dog going to grow out of these behaviours or is this something I need to address now? It's a pretty confusing age. It's like teenagehood for people, you know, no one knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and this fella was super excitable. Um, he's a big dog, so he'd pull his owner around anywhere they went. Um, and they just wanted help on that. <laughs> um, mm. so I think, but okay. So sorry. No, you're right. When you say excitable. Yes. Like, what are we talking about there? Because a lot of, a lot of dog owners, right? they'll they'll be walking and they they kind of make excuses i think for an excitable puppy now why is excitable puppies a bit of an issue well when they're little why they're are, really actually. yeah <laughs> when they're little they're really cute you know so when they're all excitable we tend to promote that behavior by playing with them and all that sort of stuff and what i mean by excitable is um, jumping up to see you. And again, when they're little, they only get to your knees. So you're like, oh, that's all right. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm thinking they try and pull on lead to get to something that they see. And again, when they're little, it doesn't matter so much because you can, um, you know, help control where they go because they're not going to pull you anywhere. They're not going to pull you over. Mm. Uh, even barking and stuff. When a puppy barks, it's kind of cute. <laughs> Um, Mm. so there's a lot of behaviors that we see, uh, in puppies that we think are just the cutest things ever. Uh, and then we forget that they get bigger. Um, and we need to just keep that in mind that this dog could get to tens of kilos and they're still going to act the same. Um, but we don't get any kind of bigger, (laughs) um, so yeah, that's that's not what necessarily I'm true. Well, I mean height wise, that's bigger. like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, 
that that's what I'm thinking of excitable. Like when I got to um these guys' place and I walked in the door, this dog's whole body was just like, Oh my god. Really? <laughs> but there's a difference in like a fearful kind of arousal and an excited arousal. And mm. you get to know this with your own dog. You get to know this when you work with multiple dogs. And whilst one can always lead to the other, this dog was definitely just like, life is amazing. You are amazing. I just want to play. Like, <laughs> That's really... So I, I was on Instagram the other week and I follow, as I should, I follow um, a lot of dog trainers. And there was one trainer... Um, who I can't remember her name, but she was talking about the kind of instant analysis that she makes when she walks through a door. And I was like, wow, really? Um, and <laughs> she was talking about a really excited um, uh, dog, but actually the way she described it, or, or it, was it, it was excitable from a dog owner's perspective, in that I would probably look at that dog and be like, it's just just really likes people um <laughs> but she actually saw it as a bit of a problem um when you're when you walk through that door like what analysis are you looking at H how can you determine whether actually this dog is excited and it's then a problem like, what are you looking for there's so i suppose the first thing that i'm focusing on is the dog's body language because that says a lot and we're taking into account their eyes, how like, are they, um, are there whites around the eyes? Like, are they kind of really staring at you or are they kind of relaxed? Uh, their ears, um, they're panting, they're, um, you look at their whole body and you kind of, the way I kind of think of it is when you stand still and relax and versus the way you stand still when you're tense. And it looks mm. different, right? Um, and the dog, dogs do the same. So um, they have, there's a freezing that they might do, or even when they're moving, it's still tense. Is it explosive mm. or is it more fluid? Um, and then you look at that throughout the whole body. And then you look at the um, people there too. Are they relaxed? Are they tense? Um, yeah, you just, and the more I do it, the better I get at it. Um, the picture that you see, um, where is the dog, you know? Are they right there greeting me? Are they restrained? And that will be different depending on the case as well. Um, it, some dogs, I ask them to be on a lead or perhaps in another space because what they're doing isn't safe for someone else to come into the house. Um, or Interesting. The, owner and I might meet online first um, or in another place without the dog. It just depends um, on the story mm. um, of that and dog. And that golden retriever, yes. what, what, what were you met with when you walked in? So he um, was jumping up at me. Um, he was very fluid with his movement. So whilst he was excited, his whole body was moving nicely. His eyes were just um, kind of big. There were no whites around the eyes. The face just looked relaxed. There was none of this like tense kind of smile. It was just, yeah, um, 
excitable but relaxed. He wasn't tense. Um, and so not alarming in any. In, no, in there way. was nothing that I was like, I need to right, worry okay. about that. And then his human as well was just like, yep, this is what he does. Um, so she was whilst embarrassed by his behavior, she wasn't worried about it either. So, um, there's that element as well. Interesting. Okay. Excitable golden retriever. You've walked in. Yes. Then what happens? Uh, then we found a spot to go cause it was raining. <laughs> um, but then right. we did a debrief. Um, so what I like to ask what's happening, um, what's going on. And then they, uh, the people will go through, uh, what's most prevalent to them. Um, mm. and they, uh, whilst we're doing that, I try and get the owner to either scatter some food or maybe pat their dog to kind of keep them engaged or, you know, we find something that they can do so the owner can focus mm. on telling the story. Mm. Uh, and then I ask them more specific questions. So, um, we were talking about walking, um, you know, what, uh, that he specifically pulls on walks and takes them, um, everywhere that he wants to go. And that if they, uh, don't take him for the walk, then, um, he gets, uh, bored is the word they used. So he starts right. to destroy things at home. If he's not taken for some form of exercise, they've found that if they take him for the walk, then he doesn't do those behaviors as much. Um, and then just, but it's, it's also kind of like a double edged sword there. They're going for a walk and yes. he's pulling them everywhere. And actually the walk is quite unpleasant because, <laughs> um, they have no control. Yes. Sounds like, so that, um, that's definitely something we unpacked there. Yeah. Um, mm. uh, there's always a question about, do you have to go on that walk? Uh, and if you have to, for whatever reason, um, set your expectations. What do you mean? Do you have to? What, what do you mean? Do you have to go on that walk? Well, because most dog people... owners, like for me, I, yeah. I have to go on a walk with Diesel. Yep. So, so, what do you mean by that? I live in regional Australia where they have a big. Everyone has a big backyard, um, right. plenty of space. In our, within our own homes to be able to exercise yeah. our dogs. Like I'm on half an acre. So when I walk all the way down to the end of my yard and back, that's a hundred meters there and then a hundred meters back. Like that's a huge space. Um, mm. So do you have to specifically go on that walk today? Means uh, like asking yourself why, why am I doing this? Am I trying to exhaust my dog? Am I trying to mentally stimulate my dog? Uh, do I just feel this pressure to do it? Someone's told me that I've got this particular breed of dog, so therefore I must. Um, mm. Just, or it, it's a question that I use in order to just to get people to think like, why am I doing this? What What is the purpose of this walk? Um, That's so interesting because we would, like, I would never ever, so I, as you know, I've got a Border Collie and a Malamute, and they couldn't be t two more different dogs, right? <laughs> the Border Collie 
is a complete lunatic. Yeah. Um, and she has to be stimulated in terms of exercise because she's obviously a working collie. Yeah. Diesel, the Malamute, it will go on his walk in the morning. To be honest with you, often he's he'll just go in the river and he'll be like, I don't really care about walking. <laughs> um, but we as owners, I, I'm always like, right, we've got to walk. Yeah. Either I'm feeling guilty because I haven't taken him from his evening walk or... Um, it's just ingrained in us. Like that's that's what we've got to do. It's so interesting to hear a trainer be like, actually question why are you going on that walk? Yeah, and would never even think of that. I mean, even for people who live in apartments and don't have the luxury of the big backyard, um, again, why? What is your dog doing that makes you think that they need to go for a walk? Um, Give me they... an example there. So, um, one thought is my own dog. Vader, he's an Aussie Shepherd, so he's a working dog. Um, he used to be walked every day at least once, and we'd go for about an hour. Um, and all that happened is he would get fitter. <laughs> so, you know, we'd have to go further, or we started bike riding mm. with him, so then we were going at a, big, a faster rate for him. Um, and... At that point, I wasn't a trainer, so all I thought was I exercise my dog, he gets tired, therefore he behaves because he's mm -hmm. too tired to do anything. Um, so when we stopped the walks um, or significantly reduced them and only walked when it was super quiet or um, the weekend, he particularly doesn't like the posty, so... Um, trying to avoid that for him. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, so we had this working Aussie Shepherd who, very fit dog, um, who we then went, you know what? Um, people, absolute dogs, they have a, a 25 day challenge. We were doing that and they said, ditch the walks. So I was like, why not? Nothing else is working. Let's just give it a shot. Um, and so for the first few days, he was obviously still fit. Um, and so still needed to do plenty of games or like we just ran around the chairs in the house and um, did some laps, but we were changing the focus of the training. He was thinking more. Um, and we started to teach him how to calm, how to kind of like people meditating. We taught him how to actually relax. And for a working dog, uh, that's a lot. <laughs> um, because they're born to just think, 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 um, be alert to things, what's going on. Um, because if they're working on a farm, you know, they've got to be able to pick out a lame sheep and, um, you know, alert their people to that and all that sort of stuff. So then we bring them into a pet environment, but they've still got this brain. Um, mm. Can I ask a question? Yeah. So you said there, and I will, then we'll, I would like to go back onto the golden retriever because he sounds pretty interesting yes. <laughs> as well. But um, what, what one thing that I just picked out there from a, as a do like as an owner, you said um, you said we taught him how to be calm. We like taught him like meditation. <laughs> yep. Like the, the, yeah, the, cool. That's all well and good as a trainer. <laughs> but how on earth do I do that as a dog? dog owner? <laughs> like what? what 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 did without getting too much into it because i'm sure we'll cover that in another episode yeah but the process of calm yes like 
one thing you did to teach him how to um, be calm? We, I'm just interested in that. I think a really easy thing to do is uh, incorporate this kind of aeroplane feeding, right? So as if an aeroplane, a bit of food is coming down to their mouth or down to your dog, like, you know, like you're feeding a baby and you're like, but without the sound effects. Um, so you're bringing that piece of food down and that dog is going to come towards that food because they're like, sweet food. And you're going to pull that bit of food away and they're going to go, why didn't I get that food? And then you bring it down to them again. They come forward and you pull it back. So they start linking, right, when I come forward, I don't get this food. And they start experimenting with other behaviors. Now, with Vader, we had played many other foundation games for agility. That was just a fun thing that we did. So we already kind of had some skills there. So he picks up those kind of things really quickly. Some dogs are a bit slower, some dogs quicker. But what would happen is he would then try not going towards the food and then suddenly he got the piece of food. So him controlling himself, staying a little bit still. I wasn't asking for a sit, a down or any kind of particular stance. I just didn't want him jumping up at the food. Okay. So when you're putting the food closer to him and then yep. taking it, what are you do are you are you saying anything to him? Are you are you like are, are you doing what what are you doing? I am just gently uh, i mean it depends on the dog for vader i can gently look at him and he's not there's no pressure there but for other dogs i might not directly look at them but i'll have them in my um perif so i can see if they come forward but there's no words there's no um that's interesting like as doggos we have a tendency to talk to our dogs all the time and yeah I, I, if, if it was me doing it to diesel or bonnie i'd be like uh, uh, no yeah or but it was uh, it wasn't like not not at all no words no nah, no nah, a lot a lot of people want to go wait 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 or stay yeah, stay yeah, stay yeah, yeah. Uh, we want it yeah. to be their choice because if a dog or a person chooses to do something they're likely to choose to do it again so if we're not wow telling them then they're thinking themselves so see that this is, is why i love dog training right it's so cool mm. um so yeah with this you can you, sometimes you got to start up really high, um, particularly if they jump. <laughs> um, but also try and set it up so they're likely to win. Um, so maybe start with a boring food like um, some of their breakfast. So before you put the bowl down on the floor, you grab maybe they have some dry food, and um, you're going to just try just slowly bring the food down if you do it slowly it's easier for them because they can sort of see and have more time to think if you did it quickly they'd be like oh food um so you go slow you can't won't be able to see this in the podcast but my hand is up high <laughs> and well I'm... no we well, no we will we oh, you will, will because uh, i well we're gonna we're gonna put it i'll put it on youtube and also we'll put it on social media so we'll make some Great. clips out of it so yeah all right so yeah, yeah. you can see um it comes down <laughs> and they they come forward and you're going to be like, oh, oh no, what happened? Um, and then you'll try again. And if they come forward, you go, oh, no. Um, and then... Obviously you know, not saying, oh, no. Well, I mean, you can talk playfully. We don't want to okay. correct them or anything like that. Um, I 
will sometimes be like, you know, we're going to try this thing and then we'll come down and then maybe mm. Vader's too excited. And I'm like, oh, what did you do? I oh, know. We'll try again. Mm. But. And, and do I need to be, as a dog owner, do I like, do I need to be calm? I need to be pretty collected, not excitable. Correct. That is, is that the key? or that, right, Definitely. Okay. To start with, that's think of like, uh, how do I want my dog to be? And then how can I be that so they can attempt to mirror me if they want to give them the opportunity to mirror your chilled out. Interesting. Um, Interesting. And then, so if okay, they, so that if was... you, one other thing with that one is that if they're finding it so hard that they just can't do it, um, yeah. make it uh, one way to make it easier is to ask them for a behavior first. So maybe they're really good at a sit or a down, then you can, um, bring in the aeroplane feeding and then from that um, you can kind of change it up but think uh, maybe maybe doing it quickly just so the dog knows that there is the opportunity to get food on the floor so um, they're standing there and they keep coming up towards the food well this time maybe you'll feed them super quick so they don't have the opportunity to jump up for the food you're saying no no if you keep your feet on the floor you get this food and then Right. Grow it like that. Interesting. Okay. Um, that is fascinating. I'm going to try that with Diesel, actually. Um, okay, back to this golden retriever. Yes. So, excitable golden retriever, pulling on the lead. You've yes. observed him. Um, uh, what did you do and, and why? So, what did you work on? The first thing we worked on was um, the lead pulling. I... So... I saw a few other because this is a bit. This is a common problem, right? For, right. for and it's loads of people. It's also the owner's like number one priority at the moment. If I'm to come in mm. and say, "Well, you might be worried about that, but actually, there's this whole other stuff that you need to work on first. The owner is then not really going to work on it because it, if it's not important to them, then they're not going to see the relevance. So, I always try and go with what is most prominent to the owner and try and incorporate other things that I can see that the dog needs, but also relate them to the struggle. So the first thing that- So you're we... kind of building like a priority list there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then yeah. throughout the consult, you you just talk with the owner and you find out all this other stuff and you're trying to like figure it all mm. out, um, make mm. a bit of a map. So um, the first thing that we talked about were some uh, they're kind of like firefighting skills. So think about when you're in that situation, what can I do? Um, so we worked on a couple of games. One, um, do you want me to go specifically through the games or do you want to just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah? No, yeah. I'm, I'm super interested because like, because I have loads of friends at the moment who have bought new puppies during the pandemic and pulling on the lead. And I, I walk, walk every single day and pulling on the lead is a huge problem. But actually, like, yeah, from an owner's perspective, I don't, I don't think we understand it well enough. And it, it's just, yeah, I'd, lo I'd love to go into it, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, work, walking on a lead is a skill in itself that a dog is not born knowing. So that's something to keep in mind. It's something we actively have to teach. So just putting them on the lead and hoping mm. for the best is, um, you know, it's like putting someone in a car and just hoping they can drive. Um, there's mm. a lot yep. for them to know. So um, one of the games that we worked on was one that turns tension 
in the leash from a negative thing to a positive thing. So um, instead of a dog feeling pressure and thinking, oh, that I should lean forward even more because this is exciting, or maybe they feel tension on the leash and they go, oh my God, what's going to happen? You know, I'm so worried and now I'm just going to bark and lunge and be a mess. Um, so mm. we can turn that into tension on the lead means I get fed away from the thing that I was worried about or excited about. Or I get to so, play a game. Sorry, let me just let me just break. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Let me just break this down even further yes, because yes. this is quite important. Ten, when you say tension on the lead, yep. I, I'm imagining. Um, okay, I'm. Let let me take this golden retriever for example, and I'm the owner. I, I'm imagining um, that there's tension on the lead because the dog's pulling, right? Not uh, there's all. Is there also there's also tension on the lead because the owner's trying to pull the dog back. Oh yeah. Um, so, so it's yeah. I'm I'm not thinking like um tugging at the lead as such. I'm thinking that okay. just uh you know, like someone's pulling that kind of Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, not okay. like a that kind of a thing. Um so yeah, what we do with that one is when we're at home we can um practice this one so then when we're out and about it can be muscle memory for us as well as the dog mm. because it's all good and well and to think you know I need to teach my dog these things we need to learn them too um, so with this one we slide our hand so this is the top of the lead we slide our hand down the lead to the harness or collar um, and then we are going to guide them around our body so we're walking one way slide our hand down the lead guide the dog around our body and we're going to turn and walk back in the other direction. So, and then after that, you're going to do what they value. So maybe like with this golden retriever, he just loves food because food is life. Yeah. Um, so giving him a treat, um, playing with the food a little bit was super rewarding for him. For other dogs, maybe um, you'll grab out the tennis ball and chuck it. Um Maybe it's a particular tug toy. Maybe it's a bit of a scruff with them, you know, give them a good old pat. Um, but, yeah, I could go into all of that. But find something that um, your dog values and then use that as the reward. So then when you've practiced it and you're out and about, instead of going, oh, no, mm. there's something over there, your dog sees it, they start pulling and you're at the end mm. of the lead and you're like, ah, you can now go. Can I ask a, can I ask can I ask a question? You, you say okay, with a tennis ball, for example. Yep. Um, it, how 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 do I how does that work as a dog from a dog owner's perspective? Because like, it, if if I'm rewarding them with a tennis ball, but let's say we 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 use that game, so we've taken the lead, yep. and we've 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 got them by the uh, by the harness or the collar. We do the kind of we do the circle. Yeah. Um, not circle, we do the, the half circle. Yep. Um, we turn around and then we have a tennis ball. Do I let them off the lead to throw so the tennis ball as a reward? That would or depend just give them the tennis ball? On your dog, the location, all that sort of stuff. Um, right. I would think if you're worried about your dog reacting to something, then you'll probably keep them on the lead and you might just drop it uh, 50 centimeters in front of you. But So there's a little bit of movement, your dog's got to chase it just that little bit. Right. Um, they still yeah, okay, that makes sense. get to enjoy it. Um, 
for other dogs that are totally mm. hyper-focused on that tennis ball and once that tennis ball comes out, nothing else matters in the world, then, yeah, maybe you could have a game of um, fetch with them. But Fetch, yeah, nice. Yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't be letting them off. Um, okay, that makes sense. So, you, so you, then you've turned the tension. Right, okay. Into, and then, yeah, so, okay. What so what happens, happens after that? Well, uh, um, you turn around, you go the other way, and then you either try and make space. So I'm thinking like we're firefighting here. We're trying to either get out of there. So um, maybe we walk in a different direction. Um, whatever happens, maybe we can just entertain them whilst thing goes away. Um, maybe it's just a case if we cut our, loss, cut, uh, cut our losses and just get out of there, go home walks over mm. um mm. again that's going to depend on dog person why mm. you're walking all that sort of stuff so with our golden retriever yes you 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 did that so you've you've taken the lead uh taking the heart uh hand down to the harness or yep. the collar um uh you've done that food okay yep. and so then with that golden retriever what what happened then the next step so because we were at that house, at their house, we didn't necessarily practice it out there, but where we live, you can easily cross the road um, and get a good bit of distance. So then that golden retriever isn't worried about, or not worried about, excited about um, the that dog that they were excited about because he was particularly um, loving of other dogs, just wanted to go up and say hi and play with all the um, little critters out there. Um, so... The idea was we turn away, so then we've given ourselves half a chance, and then we're going to cross the road um, to get out of direct line of sight, and then we can move on from there. So moving the moving moving the golden retriever away from the space he was in, which yep. was actually it's so interesting. That I hear a lot of trainers talk about space and how a, how a dog is is actually incredibly sensitive to the space they're in. Can you just explain from your perspective, like your opinions on space and why it's so important? So, I mean, do you mean like space uh, from the... Well, the psychology of space from a dog's perspective, because like you've, we've talked about the golden, your golden retriever case where actually you've, 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 you've played the played the the game which is what we've discussed mm -hmm. and then you've crossed the road into a new space why okay. is moving into a new space so critical so i wasn't so much thinking about a new space though what i was thinking about was getting distance so relieving that pressure by getting closer to something there's more pressure you take away the pressure by getting further away but um if you go into a certain room of your house and uh, always play super exciting games in there, you're then going to walk into that room of the house and just naturally be excited. Like your energy mm. levels will change. You'll be like, all right, this is what we do in this space. This is what we're going to, this is what's going to happen. So same kind of thing um, for your dog. If you go on the exact same route every single day and every day you meet, um, another dog in this spot uh, this dog always barks at you um, and then you move on when you get there you're going to be like okay these smells this look 
all of this stuff. Normally something happens here. So I'm going to put myself in this kind of worried state or excited state, depending on how um, the dog mm. reacts. But either way, they're getting um, more aroused just by being there because of the rehearsal. So previously, the, this is what happened, so it's likely to happen again. Um, so moving to somewhere where they haven't been, well, then they're like, oh, I don't know what's happened, what happens here. I haven't been here before. Um, mm. I haven't got any previous There's learning. There's no association. To go yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Fascinating. The golden retriever. So you've worked on that. And you've worked on. You've worked on um, moving to that new space. Yep. Uh, and then actually turning that turning that tension into into the positive. Um, I th I suppose from a dog owner's perspective, the next is practice that and keep working on that so that actually that reinforces this whole okay well actually the control is less within the do for the dog and actually you're in control of that lead pulling situation um the next step is the holy grail from a dog is, is actually getting a dog to walk next to you yeah and not have an excitable teenage dog or puppy, <laughs> puppy less so, but an excitable teenage dog be a complete lunatic and yeah. um, and literally doing figure of eights everywhere. Yeah. What did you do with that golden retriever to get him to walk next to you or at least put the wheels in motion to do so? We played a really fun game called Magic Hand. So the, na the names of the games that I'm using are from Absolute Dogs is the people that I learn mm. from. Um, so Magic Hand is putting all the good things in your hand, treats, um, particularly for this um, golden retriever, and you walk around. be a around, tennis ball, whatever it might be. Uh, and you walk around and then you drop a treat and you take a few more steps and you drop a treat. You take a few more steps and you drop a treat. And then suddenly being next to you under this hand is this amazing place because what if another piece of food falls out? And so you have a dog looking at you. You have a dog walking next to you or, you know, wherever you've been dropping the food. Some people want to drop it slightly behind them, whatever works. But um, that's a really simple one to incorporate it's you can see how it's directly related to walking um and yeah that's that's one of the ones that we worked on that that is yeah that makes a hell of a lot of sense <laughs> <laughs> that, that's i don't that's, do anything yeah. complicated well, what's, <laughs> no but what's the common what's what do what do we as dog owners or i as a dog owner commonly do wrong in that situation well we think that dogs just know how to walk on a lead i think that's the big thing when i started out with vader before i was a trainer i just sort of thought well you put the lead on the dog and you go for a walk around the block mm. yep. that's as far as and you the... hope that they haven't been an idiot yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of as far as it went and then when mm. he got um worse on the harness we then went to a collar and then when he learned how to pull in the collar we went to a head halter and then when he started to pull on the head halter well then it was a bit like well what do we do now <laughs> um <laughs> but it it was all about the tool it's like you put this tool on the dog and suddenly the dog just knows how to walk um mm. but unfortunately that's not how it works but in saying that 
uh, Vader's five years old now. Um, and the people who I was around, um, the people who I knew, that was just what you did. Um, mm. There wasn't too much thought. Is, is, that, is, that, is that very common with like dog owners that you meet? Like we, we just assume. Yeah. That's one of the biggest problems is we just assume. Yeah. Because, I, yeah, I, I, I would do the same. I did, I did the same too. Mm. You know, it's just it, there's uh, not enough easily accessible information, I suppose, out there. And there's also, even just around dog owning, not enough talk about um, how we can help our dogs more. It's more just like the dog just somehow knows how to fit into our life. Like they just know that they shouldn't bark or they should just know how to walk on the lead. They should just know not to dig, you know, all these things that either is totally foreign to them from a puppy walking on lead or a naturally occurring things like the digging and the barking for dogs. Like, yeah, there's these insane expectations around them, which doesn't help. How long did it take for this golden retriever to actually get the message? Because oh. yeah, you've worked on pulling the lead and now you've actually worked on promoting it. And it like, so when we, take? when we were practicing, he got it after a couple of bits of food because he's so foodie. He was just like, yeah, I'll mm. be there. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, other, you know, it depends on, on the dog, on the situation, all that sort of stuff as to how long it um, will take them to figure it out. But uh, mm. you're building a concept of like focus and another concept of proximity. Like I want to be near you and I want to be knowing what you're doing instead of I want to be over there and I want to know what the environment's going to give me. Mm. Mm. Can I ask you a question on um, when you were dropping the food with the magic hands? Yes. Um, like, am I as a dog owner meant to, am I meant to, so every time I drop a piece of food and they, 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 they eat it, but they are close to me. Yep words of encouragement like or, or is it just it is like i'm i'm in control and i'm walking it and i'm dropping it there's not too much interaction or you purposefully interacting and rewarding and and saying yes well done good boy or good girl so i i know it's not helpful but again it depends um if you're right it's not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> um if your dog is already excited you want to be more chill you know we never want to be ignoring them okay um but mm -hmm. For some dogs, we don't need to increase their excitement. And for other dogs, we do need to increase their excitement. What we need to be uh, aware of is, um, like, the pressure we're applying to the situation. If your dog is kind of lagging behind and trying to figure it out, if we start being all like, yeah, come on, let's do this, they're going to be like, oh, God, what are you doing? Right, um, interesting. So giving them time to figure it out, um, figure out what's going on, what is my human asking of me. Um, and so the less kind of rules that we put in, the easier it is for them to try instead of thinking, oh, I'm going to, what if I get it wrong? Or, you know, they didn't say yes, or they didn't give me my mark, or what do I do? If you start out without any kind of marker or being too strict with your rules, then your dog's more likely to try again. Um, but then in saying that other okay. dogs do like rules, but in this particular case, we um, were just no rules kind of thing. I was just walking around at the table. The owner was just walking around the table, just dropping a bit of food. 
as you went along. Um, and, and were you obviously? He's an excitable like. Do you call them puppies or dog? Like if, if I mean, he's all dogs uh, if are he's puppies, kind of teenage. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, I well, call well, Vader well, a puppy. Well, so but... the excited, well, excitable golden retriever. Yes. Um, obviously he's excitable, so you're you're still able to interact with him whilst you're dropping that food, and, yeah. but actually in a calm manner. You're walking along saying, "Good boy, well done," yeah. as like, opposed to "Good boy, well yeah. done," like that. Exactly. Okay. Nice. Um, and even before he got the food, when he would start walking towards whoever had the food, it would be like, yeah, that's good. We like that. Well mm. done. Um, mm. Just, yeah. So you, so you did that in their living room? Yep. It's a whole different ball game when you're outside, right? Correct. Or not? So okay. you build it somewhere where it's uh, chilled for them, where they can... Mm. Uh, Preferably in, a, in an environment they know or... Yes, or, or, yeah. Or, um, yeah. Okay. So you want to you want to go to, a, you know, it's like you go to uni to learn, right? So you go in there, you're in that headspace. Mm-hmm. You don't go out to a pub to study because that's like, it yeah. just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're not focused on the task. Uh, so same kind of thing. You want to <laughs> teach the dog the skills first and then take it to different places and so that can even be from training in your living room to trying some tricks in your bathroom like ask your dog to sit in the bathroom and they're going to look at you like we've not been in here and done this um so you can proof your behavior or your dog's behavior by going to different spaces within your house and then you can go to different spaces outside and you know, build it up sure. like that. So then it becomes less of a, we're here, this is what I do, to more of a, this is just what I do next to my human. Um, right, okay. When you're outside with that golden retriever, yeah. you were on a lead, the, 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 the golden retriever presumably was on a lead, right? And then you go for a walk, but on the lead, um, there's obviously enough slack and you're doing, you're still doing magic hands, right? And, and you're walking, dropping the food. So it associates mm-hmm. that with being, so what, what did you do? We just practiced those couple of things. Um, okay. And because I like to make it really easy and really achievable. Um, if I layer on too many things, then one, you just forget anyway. Um, and two, it becomes this mountain of a task. Whereas if you think if all I've got to do is, uh, um, go out and train for a couple of minutes a day, a couple of minutes here when I'm, you know, having a break from work or a couple of minutes Mm. at the beginning of the day, a couple of minutes at the end of the day, when you've got that kind of framework to work with, you can, um, achieve a whole lot more um yeah so uh, just double checking my notes we did so the change of direction and the magic hand are the ones that are directly related to the walking you can see that link there um yeah and then the next thing that we worked on were some focus games so to change his focus from everything else to back to the human um we worked on some games that made the human the most amazing thing in the world instead of the environment. Um, and why is that important? So when you think about when you're going for a walk and you ask yourself, what do I want my dog to do? What, mm. 
what do you want them doing? You want them to focus on you because yep. what you don't want them doing is focusing on the rest of the world. But when you say that, you're like, well, how do I stop that? But when you rephrase the question to what do I want, well, then you think I want focus. So if I get focus in other spaces, I can get focus on my walk. So then we played uh, a couple of games that got him running under her legs. So she was tall enough that he could run under without knocking her over. Um, <laughs> and then around the legs as well, because... Again, when you're walking your dog, you want them comfortable being real close to your legs because that's where most people want their dogs to walk when they're, you know, doing a heel kind of a walk. So the um, the under leg one is as simple as tossing a bit of food between your legs so your dog runs under your legs and follows it. They go get it. Okay, interesting. And then you turn around to face your dog. They're going to look at you. And you're going to toss another bit of food underneath your legs and they're going to run through. Interesting. And all you're doing there is saying, hey, when you look at me and you come close mm. to me, you get a good deal. And then mm. same thing with the going round. You just do like a 180, 360, 270. You know, you just get them to come round a little bit following the food. Then you toss it out. So again, being right next to you, focusing on what you're doing gets me food, gets me a tennis ball, you know, that kind of a thing. Where did this, where did you take this dog in terms of, okay, you, you've turned up at this golden retriever's house mm -hmm. and it's been pulling on the lead. It's been causing a bit of a problem. Okay. You've spent, how many sessions did you do? Just one or, Just one. or a couple? Just one. Just one. Okay. Yeah. Met them last week. What was the transformation well, of the dog? It was... I think she was surprised to see that he could listen a little bit. So from, we didn't go part, like we didn't go for a walk or anything like that. Um, I don't, when I come out and see people, I don't put their dogs in the situation that they find tricky. I always stay mm. within the realm of easy. Um, and that's also part of the reason why I ask people if they need, really need to or have to walk their dog Um do you need to put them in that situation that they find hard? Um, so then you can build it up in an easy space and then you can um, try again and build up out in the world. Um, so we worked inside a little bit and then just out in the backyard. But then I explained to them that you can take this out the front, you can take this up and down your street a little bit. Um, but the more that your dog rehearses what you do want instead of what you don't want, the quicker their behavior is going to change as well. Mm. So the transformation was quick, right? It, yeah, it, it, he it, was really responsive. You've been taking the focus away from, yeah, really. Yeah. So like what... And what's he like now? He's He still pulls on the lead because the owner still wants to go for walks, which is fine. Uh, and what yeah. I said to her then was set your expectations. He is learning a new skill. So if yeah. you want to go for a walk to exercise, expect that at this stage, he's still going to pull on the lead. Um, Correct. And whilst he is pulling on the lead, he is rehearsing pulling on the lead. So just keep that in mind. And then if you want to practice. Ooh, okay. Well, sorry, 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 no, sorry, right. sorry. What do you mean rehearsing pulling on the lead? That's interesting. So every, any kind of behavior that they're doing, whether it's barking, digging, pulling on lead, anytime they're doing it, they're likely to do it again. 
if of course. Yeah. I eat a block of chocolate, I'm likely to eat another block of chocolate. Because <laughs> um, you, you enjoyed it, right? Exactly. It was a good time for me. Yeah. Or it yeah, could yeah, just yeah. be a behavior that I've done so often that is just second nature. It's just something that I do yeah. now. And so to break that habit, it takes a lot of work. And part of that is trying to introduce some kind of management to kind of stop that from happening. So for example, if I wanted to stop eating chocolate, which I don't, but if I did, then I wouldn't <laughs> buy it. I wouldn't have it in the house. You know, I, yeah. if I wanted to stop eating chocolate, I'm not going to put a block of chocolate in the fridge and then be like, right, I'm not going to eat that. Like that's really hard for a mm. first step. So by reducing um, their opportunity to rehearse the behavior, you're also helping in training them. So it's kind of, it's management, but management is really important part of training. It helps kind of speed up training, I suppose, because yeah, you're not fighting this constant rehearsal of the thing that you don't want. That is super, okay, it's it's now clicked, which is great as, awesome. as, a, as an owner. <laughs> You you are you are completely changing as a dog owner, actually, but rather not even thinking about the dog right now. The dog owner's mindset is always, right, exercise, exercise, exercise. But what you're doing is completely changing the whole mindset of the exercise versus mental stimulation debate because actually for dogs, mental stimulation can be just as powerful, if not more powerful, than physical stimulation yep. and if you can choose let's say once a day they go for a walk but then the other once a day or, or or throughout the day in little chunks you're working on stimulating mentally practicing rehearsing building the relationship the trust relationship with the dog yep. actually it's just as powerful than two walks a day three walks a day oh my god my dog is a lunatic Absolutely. this isn't working out for me all you're really? doing when you exercise your dog and not thinking about the training is making a fitter dog. And that is great if you're a fit person. You know, if your goal is to go out for 5K a day and do, you know, those things, um, then exercise your dog. You want to help your dog build up fitness um, and, you know, be able to keep up with you without injuring, themsel injuring themselves or yourself. Uh, for me, I am not a fit person. So, um, trying to go for those big walks every day is just not something that resonates with me. However, that doesn't mean that fade is not exercised in some form. We play the games like that one under the legs that I was saying, we do that with a toy. So I toss his squeaky toy between my legs. He goes and chases after it, brings it back. Then I ask for a couple of behaviors or we, um, play a game or practice a skill and then I toss it again. So there's some element of building a concept, whatever concept that is. And then that running off and playing and, um, you know, the easy stuff as well. And we, you know, we can do some, uh, strength building exercises as well. Sometimes we, uh, little things like getting him to put his paws up. Um, the front paws up or maybe the back paws up using those muscles as well, which you don't do when you're just walking around. Um, yeah, it's so much more than just the walk. Fascinating. I have, I have learned a ton. Um, awesome. I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'm actually going to take, I'm going to take this away and, and, uh, 
work on some with diesel I, i'm hoping <laughs> that people listening can actually because we've broken it down quite a lot there and um a whole load of concepts ideas but also theory that i'd never even thought about as a dog owner so absolutely where can people find you um what's your business in australia i assume do you do like um you do virtual uh so you do remote but also in person yeah. um, training so theoretically anybody in the world could contact you right yeah that's right anywhere um so and where can people find you so um my business name is cool canines my uh, website, I suppose, is coolcanines.com.au. Um, and then... I'll on... put these links in the show notes as well below yep. so people can find you. Then... Um, yeah. My... I've got Instagram as well, coolcanines underscore dog training, I think. <laughs> and... Um, I'll put that in the in the show notes as yeah, well. <laughs> and then I've got a Facebook page as well. It, it, it's just... Nice. Um, Facebook.com com forward slash cool canines i think pretty nice. simple um nice yeah. cool um this has been amazing thank you so much My for pleasure. um the the inaugural episode actually as well the first ever one yeah and what an episode has been i'm super excited <laughs> to get this out me too uh, and hopefully we can we can help a lot of um a lot of owners who's uh potentially excitable golden retrievers are pulling on leads if not <laughs> relatable to a hell of a lot of people like me as well yeah who have struggled so um thank I'll, you um, so much i'll try and um take some videos of the games that we were talking about and chuck them up on my instagram too so you can see them instead of trying to just think about them yeah definitely yeah do it and sense. we can we can link them as well together cool, cool. um Kate, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of The Problem With My Dog Is. This podcast, we hope, isn't going to just be another old podcast. And more importantly, not just another old dog podcast. This podcast is hosted by me, James, one of the founders of Get Whelp. And our mission is very, very simple. We want to help millions of dogs, their owners and their trainers lead happier, more fulfilled lives. Uh, big disclaimer here, I'm not a dog trainer. I'm just a dog lover. I'm a dog owner who wants to know more about training and how we can make training and behavior of dogs basically more relatable and more engaging for dog owners worldwide. We're not here to simply talk about something like separation anxiety as a concept or a topic um, because we think that would just be a bit more of the same. We're going to break it down into real life case studies, talk to experts about things they've worked on that are directly relatable to your everyday lives, our everyday lives as dog owners and more. Okay, shall we see what the problem with my dog was in episode one? I want you to meet Kate Oates. She's a brilliant Australian games-based trainer who worked on a case with a young golden retriever who just wouldn't stop pulling on the lead. Sound familiar? And in this episode, we explore how she managed to take that overexcited, bouncy golden retriever and turn it into a calm, walking buddy. Some of the insights in this episode are amazing and 
Having been on several hundred dog walks since the pandemic began, I can definitely see a hell of a lot of dog owners who need to listen to this episode. So if you're one of those dog owners whose dog won't stop pulling on the lead, plug in your headphones and take a listen to this one. 